I'm Sean Eckford, and this is Coast Reporter Radio, your audio companion to the Coast Reporter, newspaper of record for British Columbia's lower Sunshine Coast. The preliminary vote count is in, and it looks like NDP incumbent Nicholas Simons will be confirmed to his fifth term as the MLA for Powell River Sunshine Coast. But there are also as many as 8,338 mail-in ballots still to be counted. This week, some insight into how that count is going forward from the chief electoral officer. The Green leader on trying to influence policy without holding the balance of power. And it's hard to say what's going to be scarier this Halloween. The costumes or the COVID precautions? bit of a confession. Reporters talk about the returns election night as though they're the final result, but it always takes about two weeks for the official count to be finished. Usually that doesn't matter because the number of uncounted votes is so small, but with so many mail-in ballots this year, the final count numbers could be very different from the election night numbers, and in some ridings, mail-in ballots could tip the balance. BC's chief electoral officer, Anton Bogman, briefed reporters just before election night and went through what happens in the so-called preparatory period leading up to the final count, which Elections BC is still hoping to begin on November 6th. So the 13-day time period, um, you know, and actually if we talk historically in British Columbia, I believe we have had um, an initial count and a final count perhaps uh, since 1896. I think in the 1920s, there was a 21-day period between initial count and final count. Obviously, the numbers of absentee ballots were much, much less. Uh, so in this case, um, it's going to be a very busy 13 days. Uh, if it is 13 days, then it will be a longer time period if necessary. So all of the uh, vote-by-mail packages, certainly that we've received centrally here in Victoria, uh, they need to get sent to the Electoral District of Residence, um, of the voters uh, who cast those for the district electoral officers there to consider them. Across uh, British Columbia at voting places where vote-by-mail packages have been dropping off and where other um, absentee ballots are cast, again, these are all brought back um, to the district electoral office. Uh, the staff there will, will uh, um, open any necessary outer envelopes and they will do a sorting process keeping the ones that belong to their voters and sending those to other electoral districts uh, so that each certification envelope is only considered in the electoral district of residence of the voter. So as you can imagine, with right now a minimum of 500,000 of these uh, and anticipate that to be uh, higher at the end of day tomorrow on voting day, um, it is going to take time. Uh, it's a manual process. There's many, many envelopes. We have to be certain that we're sending them to the correct electoral district. Some will have to have their outer envelope removed so that we can assess the uh, information on the certification envelope. Following that shipping and receiving phase, then comes the screening phase. And this is where the certification envelopes are assessed to make sure, are they completed in accordance with the legislation? Did the voters sign the declaration on them? Did they put their date of birth? Did the date of birth match? what's on our record. These are the integrity checks that we make sure uh, are in place such that the voter, we know that the voter who is on the envelope is actually the voter that cast that envelope. 
Then we do other reviews. We do uh, vote by, uh, the multiple voting reviews and any, again, certification envelopes that do not pass this integrity check are then set aside. So this is, as I said, it's a manual process. Um, it will take, uh, at a minimum, the full 13 days to do this, uh, even with additional resources added in all of our electoral districts. Our commitment, of course, is to do that as quickly as we can. The record number of requests for mail-in ballots also increased the likelihood that some people who got a mail-in ballot might have decided to vote at the regular or advance polls instead. And some may even have sent in the mail-in ballot, then got worried it wouldn't get to elections BC in time, and voted October 24th just to be sure. One of the integrity checks that is done is a review of uh, all potential multiple votes. And so uh, if someone votes in person and they also voted by mail, then that vote by mail package would get set aside. It would not get considered. Um, if someone tries to vote twice by vote by mail or by other absentee processes, both of those certification envelopes are set aside and not considered. And that's very clear based on uh, legislation and ensuring the integrity of the electoral process, uh, one vote per person. We do do a multiple voting review after every election. Uh, we look at every instance uh, of potential multiple voting. Um, and we apply resources to look at those and to follow up and investigate where necessary in those cases. In previous elections, there have been instances of multiple voting. Most of those are usually scenarios where uh, perhaps a, a resident uh, of a care home uh, that we would send a mobile team to administer voting at um, is also taken by a family member, perhaps, to vote at early voting. Um, in these cases, um, depending upon the circumstances, uh, only one vote is counted. Um, we'll look at that, uh, and we have not made a determination in those cases previously um, to prosecute. There was a case in 2009 where an individual attempted to vote five times uh, using various absentee processes. Uh, that was investigated and referred to the uh, RCMP for follow-up. Um, in that case, the individual had uh, left Canada for Chile, uh, which I believe doesn't have an extradition process, um, uh, so there was no opportunity to uh, do any uh, prosecution on that case. Bogman also talked a bit about future plans to streamline the counting of mail-in and absentee ballots, which a lot of people think will be very popular in the next election too. In future elections, um, some of the modifications that were uh, passed by the legislature in the Election Amendment Act 2019, uh, but have not yet been brought into force, will allow for the use of technology and will allow for uh, potentially shorter time frames um, in terms of how these uh, absentee ballots are considered and when the final count may be. Um, vote by mail is always going to be a, a wild card. There was a question as to whether more voters will use this form in future elections. Will it become more of a, of a standard option? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if the unprecedented uh, use of vote by mail by British Columbian voters is in response to the pandemic. Um, uh, obviously it is in response, but will that carry on? Will they decide that that's a convenient way of voting that they want to use in future elections? And, and we're not sure about what that will look like. As of Friday, October 30th, when we taped the podcast, 6,107 mail-in ballots and certification envelope ballots, such as absentee votes, had been received for Powell River Sunshine Coast.
No matter how the mail-in votes work out, the BC Greens will not be in the same balance of power position they had after the 2017 vote. I had a chance to ask Green leader Sonia Furstenau, the only leader to visit the riding during the election, about that scenario when she stopped in Roberts Creek October 22nd. So we've been in a five-week election campaign. At the beginning of the campaign, uh, the NDP's platform position on old growth was that they would adopt some of the recommendations of the old growth panel. Uh, after we spoke out, and I spoke very clearly on how we need to adopt all those recommendations, he has shifted and said they will now adopt all the recommendations. We've been speaking out against Site C from the beginning, uh, and I've been very clear on our position that this is a time to recognize that, yes, this was a, a boondoggle, and you do not put more good money after bad in a project like this. He has now been saying he's open to cancelling Site C. So I would say that what we do, we look at evidence, we look at reality, we tell the truth, we put solutions on the table, and no matter what position we're in after this election, we will have an influence on the outcomes in British Columbia. In the early weeks of the pandemic, we finished almost every episode of Coast Reporter Radio with the latest advice from Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry. And with Halloween coming up, we figured we'd wrap up this week with the good doctor's thoughts on one of the rites of fall. This Halloween weekend, we need to celebrate in new ways. We need to keep our groups small, particularly our, our own households in our homes and small if we're going out on the streets. We've talked before that we can celebrate in safe ways with our household and our families. If we are doing trick-or-treating, it needs to be small and it can be done safely outside with small groups, making sure that we give the others the space to safe, stay safe and also importantly to respect those homes that are choosing not to participate this year. We remind everyone that a province-wide order is now in place limiting the number of people who can visit in our homes. That means no Halloween parties this weekend. This is because many of the things we do at parties and celebrations, things like talking and hugging and eating and drinking together indoors, are much, much riskier, particularly now. If you are thinking about seeing people from your Safe Six, make sure it is the same group of six. And rather than getting together in someone's phone, home, choose to go to a location that has a comprehensive COVID-19 safety plans and precautions in place. That's it for Coast Reporter Radio, episode 199. You can stream Coast Reporter Radio from the audio page at coastreporter.net or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Our Twitter handle is coast underscore reporter. We're also on Facebook. Our print edition is on the streets now, and we've got fresh news online throughout the week. I'm Sean Eckford. For editor John Gleason, reporter Sophie Woodruff, and the rest of the team here at the Coast Reporter, thanks for listening. Thank you.